The correct biblical posture is not to give just to get. I don't think God will allow himself to be reduced to a formula or a money machine. But there's no denying that the Bible actually has many verses that speak of this, where when we give, we actually have more. Welcome to another edition of the Seed Time Living Podcast. My name is Bob Lodick. I am so glad you are here. Hope you are enjoying your drive or your walk or whatever you're doing right now. And in this episode, we're going to talk about seven things Christians should do with their money that don't exactly make sense. We put this up on YouTube a couple weeks ago, and we've been just getting a lot of great feedback about it, so I decided to turn this into a podcast as well. So we'll drop you in on that in just a second. And since we're talking about YouTube, if you haven't been over to our YouTube channel, I would encourage you to go check it out. I'm having a whole lot of fun over there. We're creating a whole bunch of content And what I really like about it is that I can show more than tell. And so a lot of of old articles that I had written, I think maybe teach or explain a concept uh, as best as you can with text and maybe the occasional screenshot. But YouTube is so great because I can do a screencast and, you know, maybe walk someone through the exact specifics of how to do X or Y. And so I'm having a whole lot of fun over there and uh, I'd love it if you'd come join us. So uh, you can just search for Seed Time over at YouTube and you should find us. Also, if you haven't subscribed to our email newsletter, which I believe many of you are, but if you haven't, head over to SeedTime.com and you can get signed up for that. And we have a free little email course for you as soon as you get signed up for that as well. So anyway, that's all for that now. But uh, I'm really excited about this episode because we touch on a lot of different things that just uh, make us unique as Christians. And there are different uh, specific things that the Bible kind of has for us to do with our money that anybody who's not a Christian just probably isn't going to understand. So anyway, we just wanted to highlight a little bit of that in this uh, episode. So with all that, we will drop right in. So let's dive into these seven things that Christians should be doing differently with our money. And I should add, just like any other video like this, where we're trying to point out some specific biblical instruction, the goal is not condemnation, but it's just to help us to get a better understanding and to help steer us in the right direction. And I'd also love to hear what you would add to this list, because there are plenty that I didn't include in this list, and I'd love to hear what you would add. All right, so first up on this list is this idea that giving more actually means having more. And we all know that giving in and of itself is not necessarily a Christian idea, but the biblical approach to it and what the Bible actually has to say about it is really unique and doesn't make much sense if you just think about it. I mean, this idea that we could actually give more away and then actually have more just kind of defies sound logic, right? And the correct biblical posture is not to give just to get. I don't think God will allow himself to be reduced to a formula or a money machine, but there's no denying that the Bible actually has many verses that speak of this, where when we give, we actually have more. Proverbs 11.24 puts it like this, there's one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And then Luke 6.38 puts it like this, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. So one of my heroes in the faith, R.G. Latornio, who is actually a good friend of Billy Graham, has a great quote where he says it like this. He says, I shovel it out and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. And I just love that because I truly believe that we cannot outgive God. And as we continue to stretch and trust in these timeless truths that are in the Bible, that we will see it coming back to us. And I think when we're doing this giving thing at our best, we find ourselves in this 
kind of cycle where we are just giving it out and it's just coming back so that we can give more and then it's coming back so we can give even more. And so it's all about this race to just keep spreading and giving as much as we possibly can. And 2 Corinthians 9 has so many great verses about giving, so definitely read that chapter. But if you look at verse 6 and 7, it says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so that's what I'm trying to do right now for you is just stir you up and get you excited about this idea of giving because it's really clear that we are not supposed to give under compulsion or obligation or feel like we're pressured into it. But I think it gets really exciting when we tap into some of these promises that God has for us as we kind of step out in faith with our giving. All right, number two is not to be wasteful. I remember as a junior in high school, I got invited to go to this prom at basically the wealthiest high school in our city. The level of extravagance was so extreme that even as a high schooler who was pretty materialistic, like I was just like my jaw dropped and I, I couldn't help but feel like, this just feels a little bit wasteful. It was actually a really small high school, and so there were probably only maybe 100 kids there, but the amount of food there, there was food there to feed probably 500 people. And some of the kids nibbled on it throughout the night, but it just wasn't what we were really interested in. And so by the end of the night, I'm just looking at tables and tables of great, awesome, super nice food that was just wasted. And I think we've all seen things like this in our lives where it's just like, ah, that just feels wasteful, you know, and everybody's threshold is a little bit different. I think as an American, we're so accustomed to having so much that I think we just naturally default to wastefulness, even if it's on a smaller scale. Like, I think it's just built into how we do things. But what's crazy to me is if you go to John chapter 6 and you read about Jesus feeding the 5,000, what you have here is Jesus taking a few loaves and fishes and literally turning it into food to feed 5,000 people. So from, from nothing, he, he takes this and he creates enough food for 5,000 people. And so after that, he tells the disciples, I want you to go pick up whatever's left over. And so initially you're thinking, okay, well, that's really good. I'm glad he's cleaning up the mess. That's great. But what he says next is just absolutely mind-blowing. He says to go pick up the scraps so that nothing will be wasted. Like you think about that. He literally just created food out of thin air, fed 5,000 people, and he's concerned about a little bit of waste. So if Jesus can create an unlimited supply of food out of thin air, and yet he still says to pick up the leftover pieces so that nothing's wasted, I think he's trying to make a point here for us. So I think the takeaway here for us is that God cares about waste and we need to be thinking about what that looks like in our lives, in the areas where maybe we are a little too wasteful and how we can kind of rein that in. Number three is to be honest on our taxes and, and really everything else. And I personally believe that God gets really excited when he sees us doing the right thing, even when no one's looking. And especially when it kind of goes against societal norms like you know, bending on the taxes a little bit and trying to hide some stuff. When I worked as a waiter in college, at the end of the night, you had to go into the computer and kind of type in your total tips for the night so that you could be taxed on that. And it was basically standard operating procedure for all the waiters to go in there and report a dollar amount lower than what you actually earned on your tips so that you didn't have to pay as much in taxes. It has become so easy to steal movies and music and software online that most of us just don't even think about it anymore. And if you're in a situation where you really need this specific piece of software, maybe for school or for a project you're doing or for your business, but it's really expensive and you know you can go over here and get it for free, like it requires faith to do it the right way and to actually buy the software or to save up for the software until you can afford it, 
That is a big, huge step of faith to do that. But I think that God's so excited when we do that. And I think he honors that by making a way where there might not seem to be a way. All right, number four is to chase debt-free living. So from what I read in my Bible, I don't see any place in there where God is actually excited about debt and talking about debt in a positive context. So it's something that we should seek to avoid, and I believe it's something that he wants to help us eliminate in our lives. And Deuteronomy 15.6 says that, For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. You know, I'll never forget the thrill of paying off my first car. I still remember being at the bank and making the last payment. And in the state we live, they actually handed you the title. And so I had the title in my hand. And it was just amazing, this feeling of having this car. And it's like, I didn't owe anyone. I didn't owe any more payments on it. And it was mine. It was actually in my name. The bank didn't own it. They couldn't come after me. Like, it was my car. And it felt so good. And my wife and I just enjoyed that so much. We just kept at it. And we paid off our other car. We paid off our student loans, credit cards. We just got it all paid off. And I'll tell you, from that experience of going from having all this debt to not having debt, it is an amazing feeling. And then when you contrast these two, having a lot of debt and then not having any debt, Proverbs 22.7 makes a lot of sense. And that illustration feels very, very accurate. And I've spent a lot of the last 10 years just helping people pay off debt and kind of improve in their financial situation so they can pay off debt. And from all of the readers who I've talked to who have successfully paid off their debt, like we all share the same story. Like it's just great. So if paying off debt is something you just haven't really thought much about, I highly encourage you to take it to the Lord in prayer and to start praying about. And the other thing I'll add is when you step out and start paying off your debt, pray about it and ask for God's help. Like I have seen this over and over and over again. It happened in our life and in readers one after another after another tell me the same thing where when they start paying off debt, even though it's this huge dollar amount and it looks like it's going to take 10, 20 years to pay off, when they start doing that and they do it in faith, God kind of comes in behind them and adds all kinds of support and unexpected income to kind of help. And this is why I believe that God actually really wants us to be out of debt and wants to help us get out of debt. Number five is to obey God's leading when it comes to our money. So I have learned that anytime I feel God leading me to do something when it doesn't make any sense, that I should definitely do it. No matter how crazy it seems, it is the best and smartest thing I can do. And it's not just because it's gonna make God happy if I obey, but it actually is gonna be most beneficial for me as well. I will never forget, in 2008, my company got bought out by another company and our entire department was eliminated. And as a result, I got laid off from my job. So when you get notified that you're gonna be laid off, you know, what's the first thing you do? You normally go look for a job, that makes sense. And as I started to do this, I felt the Lord leading me not to look for a job. I'm like, this doesn't make sense, this is weird, why would I not? look for a job. I am married. I have to pay bills. Why would I not look for a job? And at the time I had been running a blog that was earning about a hundred dollars a month. And I felt like he was leading me to start working on that full time. And in my mind, like this is just insane. And there's no way that this thing I've been doing for a year and I'm only earning a hundred dollars a month from is actually going to turn into a full-time living. But it was what I felt like God was leading me to do. And so I went and talked to my wife. I was just kind of assuming that she was going to be like, yeah, you're crazy. We're not going to do that. And we both kind of felt this peace to do this thing that seemed insane. But I am so glad that we did it. And I'll just add another piece of this story for you. So two weeks later, after I had gotten laid off, I got a job offer for two times what I was making at my previous job. So twice as much money as I was making at my previous job. 
And that offer came to me and I'm like, hallelujah, this is it, this is it. But it wasn't it because as I prayed about it, I felt like God saying, this is not it. This is not what I have for you. In which also made no sense to me, but I just knew that I knew that I was not supposed to take that job. And so both of these things were big steps of faith for me and they required me to kind of stretch my faith and really my trust in God. But the resulting fruit of those two decisions has been nothing short of life-changing and amazing. Like God has led me to some of the most miraculous blessing that I could have never even dreamed about. And it was a result of those two things, following God's leading when it made absolutely no sense. And my wife Linda and I have seen this happen over and over with our giving, where God will call us to give above and beyond what we're comfortable with or even what is actually available. And we've seen the same thing happen over and over again. All right, number six is to rest and especially in the midst of chaos. So like many, I struggled with this idea of Sabbath and actually not working on Sunday for most of my Christian life. And it wasn't until just a couple years ago that I finally realized that it's not supposed to be a religious obligation. It's not just a rule that God threw at us just to give us more rules, but it actually is for our benefit and it's an opportunity for us to trust God. So essentially it gives us the opportunity to say to God, I have all this stuff that needs to be done today, but I I choose to trust you that with you, I can get more done in six days than I can in seven. And you will find that if you start committing to this idea of Sabbath and taking one day a week just to rest, that there will be challenges and there will be opportunities for you to trust in God and to stretch your faith in this area. Additionally, a few years ago, one thing I started was taking a sabbatical every single year. And so I actually take a month off every single year to just kind of rest and decompress. And I tell people all the time, it's just been one of the best things for my business and one of the best things you can do for your mental clarity, for your marriage, for your parenting. It's just so beneficial when you can take these breaks and just rest. All right, number seven is to say no to the American idea of retirement. And I would define the American view of retirement as uh, just completely self-centered, you know, where it's all about you. It's all about your pleasure. It's all about spending all of your money on yourself to do whatever makes you happy. And I don't find that in my Bible. Now, I definitely think we should be saving up for that point. I think it's wise to save money for that time, especially when we can't work, especially if you're in a physically demanding job that you're not going to be able to do till you're 85. It makes absolute sense to be saving for retirement, but I don't believe that's how our retirement years should be used. And there's a passage in Luke 12 that sums this up really well. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundance harvest. So he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain to be laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So the problem isn't storing up and saving for retirement because you have plenty of other biblical examples for planning and preparing and saving for the future. But the issue is the heart behind it and how it's being done. So I believe as long as we are on this earth, God has a purpose and a plan for us and a reason for our existence. So once we reach those retirement age years, you know, we need to go to God and we need to figure out what we should be doing with our time and how to be using it wisely. And that is all we have for this video. So I will see you in the next video and have a great rest of your day. All right. Well, I hope you found that helpful. And if you did, I'd love it if you let me know. Send me a tweet. Uh, you can do at Seed Time or even at Bob Lodic. I don't check that one a whole lot, but you can send it over there. I should get some sort of notification for it. 
And I am hoping to do a few more podcasts with my wife, Linda, because I've been hearing from a lot of you that you enjoy what she's on. And she's definitely my better half, so I absolutely want to do that. We're, we're working through a lot of different ideas right now of different kind of episodes we could be doing. So yeah, if you would like to hear from her, let me know as well. And uh, if you don't want to hear from her, don't let me know, because I don't really want to hear that, because she's my wife and she's awesome. But um, anyway, hope you're doing well. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and uh, we will chat soon. See ya. See ya.